Chapters thirty and thirty one of Lena Rivers by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thirty. The result. The loud ringing of the breakfast bell aroused Lena from her heavy slumber, and with a vague consciousness of what had transpired the night previous, she at first turned wearily upon her pillow, wishing it were not morning but soon remembering all she sprang up and after a hasty toilet descended to the breakfast-room where another chair was vacant another face was missing without any suspicion of the truth mrs livingstone spoke of anna's absence saying she presumed the poor girl was tired and sleepy and this was admitted as an excuse for her tardiness but when breakfast was over and she still did not appear corinda was sent to call her returning soon with the information that she knocked and knocked but miss anna would not answer and when she tried the door she found it locked involuntarily mr livingstone glanced at lena whose face wore a scarlet hue as she hastily quitted the table with a presentiment of something he himself started for anna's room followed by his wife and carrie while lena halfway up the stairs listened breathlessly for the result it was useless knocking for admittance for there was no one within to bid them enter and with a powerful effort mr livingstone burst the lock the window was open the lamp was still burning emitting a faint sickly odour the bed was undisturbed the room in confusion and anna was gone mrs livingstone's eye took in all this at a glance but her husband saw only the latter and ere he was aware of what he did a fervent thank heaven escaped him she's gone run away dead maybe exclaimed mrs livingstone wringing her hands in unfeigned distress and instinctively drawing nearer to her husband for comfort by this time lena had ventured into the room and turning toward her mr livingstone said very gently lena where is our child in ohio i dare say by this time as she took the night train at midway for cincinnati said lena thinking she might as well tell the whole at once in ohio shrieked mrs livingstone fiercely grasping lena's arm what has she gone to ohio for speak ingrate for you have done the deed i am sure of that it was mr everett's wish to return home that way i believe coolly answered lena without quailing in the least from the eyes bent so angrily upon her instantly mrs livingstone's fingers loosened their grasp while her face grew livid with mingled passion and fear her fraud was discovered her stratagem had failed and she was foiled in this her second darling scheme but she was yet to learn what agency lena had in the matter and this information her husband obtained for her there was no anger in the tones of his voice when he asked his niece to explain the mystery else she might not have answered for lena could not be driven now however she felt that he had a right to know and she told him all she knew what she had done herself and why she had done it that general fontaine to whom malcolm had gone in his trouble had kindly assisted him by lending both servants and carriage but upon the intercepted letter she could throw no light twas a cursed act and whoever was guilty of it is unworthy the name of either man or woman said mr livingstone while his eye rested sternly upon his wife she knew that he suspected her but he had no proof and resolving to make the best of the matter she too united with him in denouncing the deed wondering who could have done it and meanly suggesting maria fontaine a pupil of mr everett's who had at one time felt a slight preference for him but this did not deceive her husband neither did it help her at all in the present emergency the bride was gone and already she felt the tide of scandal and gossip which she knew would be the theme of the entire neighbourhood 
still if her own shameful act was kept a secret she could bear it and it must be no one knew of it except captain atherton and caesar the former of whom would keep his own counsel while fear of a passport down the river the negro's dread would prevent the latter from telling accordingly her chagrin was concealed and affecting to treat the whole matter as a capital joke worthy of being immortalized in romance she returned to her room and hastily writing a few lines rang the bell for caesar who soon appeared declaring that as true as he lived and breathed and drew the breath of life he'd done gin miss every single letter afore handin em to anybody else shut your mouth and mind you keep it shut or you'll find yourself in new orleans was mrs livingstone's very ladylike response as she handed him the note bidding him to take it to captain atherton for some reason or other the captain this morning was exceedingly restless walking from room to room watching the clock then the sun and finally in order to pass the time away trying on his wedding suit to see how he was going to look perfectly satisfied with his appearance he was in imagination going through the ceremony and had just inclined his head in token that he would take anna for his wife when mrs livingstone's note was handed him at first he could hardly believe the evidence of his own eyes anna gone run away with mr everett it could not be and sinking into a chair he felt as he afterwards expressed it mighty queer and shaky but mrs livingstone had advised him to put a bold face on it and this upon second thought he determined to do hastily changing his dress now useless he mounted his steed and was soon on his way toward maple grove a new idea dawning upon his mind and ere his arrival settling itself into a fixed purpose from aunt martha he had learned of lena's strange visit and he now remembered the many times she had tried to withdraw him from anna appropriating him to herself for hours the captain's vanity was wonderful sunnyside needed a mistress he needed a wife lena was poor perhaps she liked him and if so there might be a wedding after all she was beautiful and would sustain the honours of his house with a better grace he verily believed than anna full of these thoughts he reached maple grove where he found durward to whom mrs livingstone had detailed the whole circumstance dwelling long upon lena's meddling propensities and charging the whole affair upon her but she knew what she was about she had an object in view undoubtedly she added glad of an opportunity to give vent to her feelings against lena pray what was her object asked durward and mrs livingstone replied i told you once that lena was ambitious and i have every reason to believe she would willingly marry captain atherton notwithstanding he is so much older she forgot that there was the same disparity between the captain and anna as between him and lena but durward did not and with a derisive smile he listened while she proceeded to give her reasons for thinking that a desire to supplant anna was the sole object which lena had in view for what else could have prompted that midnight ride to sunnyside again durward smiled but before he could answer the bridegroom-elect stood before them looking rather crestfallen but evidently making a great effort to appear as usual and so the bird has flown said he well it takes a yankee after all to manage a case but how did he find out briefly mrs livingstone explained to him lena's agency in the matter omitting this time to impute to her the same motive which she had done when stating the case to durward so lena is at the bottom of it said he rubbing his little fat red hands well well where is she i'd like to see her corinda tell lena she is wanted in the parlor said mrs livingstone while durward not wishing to witness the interview arose to go but mrs livingstone urged him so hard to stay that he at last resumed his seat on the sofa by the side of carrie 
captain atherton wishes to question you concerning the part you have taken in this elopement said mrs livingstone sternly as lena appeared in the doorway no i don't said the captain gallantly offering lena a chair my business with miss rivers concerns herself i am here sir to answer any proper question said lena proudly at the same time declining the proffered seat there's an air worthy of a queen thought the captain and determining to make his business known at once he arose and turning toward mrs livingstone durward and carey whom he considered his audience he commenced what i am about to say may seem strange but the fact is i want a wife i've lived alone long enough i waited for anna eighteen years and now she's gone everything is in readiness for the bridal the guests are invited nothing wanting but the bride now if i could find a substitute not in me muttered carey drawing nearer to durward while with a sarcastic leer the captain continued don't refuse before you are asked miss livingstone i do not aspire to the honour of your hand but i do ask miss rivers to be my wife here before you all she shall live like a princess she and her grandmother both come what do you say many a poor girl would jump at the chance the rich blood which usually dyed lena's cheek was gone and pale as the marble mantle against which she leaned she answered proudly i would sooner die than link my destiny with one who could so basely deceive my cousin making her believe it was her betrothed husband whom he saw in washington instead of his uncle marry you never if i beg my bread from door to door noble girl came involuntarily from the lips of durward who had held his breath for her answer and who now glanced triumphantly at mrs livingstone whose surmises were thus proved incorrect the captain's self-pride was touched that a poor humble girl should refuse him with his half-million a sense of the ridiculous position in which he was placed maddened him and in a violent rage he replied you won't eh what under heavens have you hung around me so for sticking yourself in between me and anna when you knew you were not wanted i did it sir at anna's request to relieve her and for nothing else and was it at her request that you went alone to sunnyside on that dark rainy night chimed in mrs livingstone no madam said lena turning toward her aunt i had in vain implored of you to save her from a marriage every way irksome to her when in her right mind but you would not listen and i resolved to appeal to the captain's better nature in this i failed and then i wrote to mr everett with the result which you see in her first excitement mrs livingstone had forgotten to ask who was the bearer of lena's letter but remembering it now she put the question lena would not implicate durward without his permission but while she hesitated he answered for her i carried that letter mrs livingstone though i did not then know its nature still if i had i should have done the same and the event has proved that i was right in so doing ah indeed said the captain growing more and more nettled and disagreeable ah indeed mr belmont leagued with miss rivers against me perhaps she would not so bluntly refuse an offer coming from you but i can tell you it won't sound very well that the honourable mrs belmont once rode four miles alone in the night to visit a bachelor ha ha miss lena better have submitted to my terms at once for don't you see i have you in my power and if you ever use that power to her disadvantage you answer for it to me do you understand exclaimed durward starting up and confronting captain atherton who the veriest coward in the world shrank from the flashing of durward's eye and meekly answered yes 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 i won't i won't i don't want to fight 
I like Lena. I don't blame Anna for running away if she didn't want me, but it's left me in a deuced mean scrape, which I wish you'd help me out of. Durward saw that the captain was in earnest, and, taking his proffered hand, promised to render him any assistance in his power, and advising him to be present himself in the evening, as the first meeting with his acquaintances would thus be over. Upon reflection, the captain concluded to follow his advice, and when evening arrived, and with it those who had not heard the news, he was in attendance together with Durward, who managed the whole affair so skilfully that the party passed off quite pleasantly, the disappointed guests playfully condoling with the deserted bridegroom, who received their jokes with a good grace, wishing himself meantime anywhere but there. That night, when the company were gone and all around was silent, Mrs. Livingstone watered her pillow with the first tear she had shed for her youngest-born, whom she well knew she had driven from the house, and when her husband asked what they should do, she answered with a fresh burst of tears, "'Send for Anna to come back!' "'And Malcolm, too,' queried Mr. Livingstone, knowing it was useless to send for one without the other. "'Yes, Malcolm, too. There's room for both.' said the weeping mother feeling how every hour she should miss the little girl whose presence had in it so much of sunlight and joy but anna would not return away to the northward in a fairy cottage overhung with the wreathing honeysuckle and the twining grapevine where the first summer flowers were blooming and the songbirds were caroling all the day long her home was henceforth to be and though the letter which contained her answer to her father's earnest appeal was stained and blotted it told of perfect happiness with malcolm who kissed away her tears as she wrote tell mother i cannot come thirty one more clouds since the morning when durward had so boldly avowed himself lena's champion her health and spirits began to improve that she was not wholly indifferent to him she had every reason to believe and notwithstanding the strong barrier between them hope sometimes whispered to her of a future when all that was now so dark and mysterious should be made plain but while she was thus securely dreaming a cloud darker and deeper than any which had yet overshadowed her was gathering around her pathway gradually had the story of her ride to captain atherton's gained circulation magnifying itself as it went until at last it was currently reported that at several different times had she been seen riding away from sunnyside at unreasonable hours of the night the time varying from nine in the evening to three in the morning according to the exaggerating powers of the informer but few believed it and yet such is human nature that each and every one repeated it to his or her neighbour until at last it reached mrs graham who forgetting the caution of her son said with a very wise look that she was not at all surprised she had from the first suspected lena and she had the best of reasons for so doing of course mrs graham's friend was exceedingly anxious to know what she meant and by dint of quizzing questioning and promising never to tell she at last drew out just enough of the story to know that mr graham had a daguerreotype which looked just like lena and that mrs graham had no doubt whatever that she was in the habit of writing to him this was of course repeated notwithstanding the promise of secrecy and then many of the neighbours suddenly remembered some little circumstance trivial in itself but all going to swell the amount of evidence against poor lena who unconscious of the gathering storm did not for a time observe the sidelong glances cast toward her whenever she appeared in public ere long however the cool nods and distant manners of her acquaintances began to attract her attention causing her to wonder what it meant but there was no one of whom she would ask an explanation john jr was gone anna was gone and to crown all durward too left the neighbourhood just as the first breath of scandal was beginning to set the waves of gossip in motion 
in his absence mrs graham felt no restraint whatever and all that she knew together with many things that she didn't know she told until it became a matter of serious debate whether lena ought not to be cut entirely mrs graham and her clique decided in the affirmative and when mrs fontaine who was a weak woman wholly governed by public opinion gave a small party for her daughter maria lena was purposely omitted hitherto she had been greatly petted and admired by both maria and her mother and she felt the slight sensibly the more so as carrie darkly hinted that girls who could not behave themselves must not expect to associate with respectable people leany not invited said mrs nichols espousing the cause of her granddaughter what's to pay i wonder miss fontaine and the general too alice appeared to think a sight on her i presume the general does now answered mrs livingstone but it's natural that mrs fontaine should feel particular about the reputation of her daughter's associates and ain't leany's reputation as good as the best on em asked mrs nichols her shrivelled cheeks glowing with insulted pride it's the general opinion that it might be improved was mrs livingstone's haughty answer as she left her mother-in-law to her own reflections it'll kill her stone dead thought mrs nichols revolving in her own mind the propriety of telling lena what her aunt had said it'll kill her stone dead and i can't tell her maybe it'll blow over pretty soon that afternoon several ladies who were in the habit of calling upon lena came to maple grove but not one asked for her and with her eyes and ears now sharpened she fancied that once as she was passing the parlour door she heard her own name coupled with that of mr graham a startling light burst upon her and staggering to her room she threw herself half fainting upon the bed where an hour afterwards she was found by aunt milly the old negress had also heard the story in its most aggravated form and readily divining the cause of lena's grief attempted to console her telling her not to mind what the good-for-nothing critters said they war only mad cause she's so much handsomer and trimmer built you know then said lena lifting her head from the pillow you know what it is so tell me for i shall die if i remain longer in suspense lor bless the child exclaimed old milly to think she's the very last one to know when it's been common talk more than a month what's been common talk what is it demanded lena and old milly seating herself upon a trunk commenced why honey ain't you hearn how you done got mr graham's picture and gin him your long of one of them curls how he's writ and you've writ and how he's gone off to the ends of the hearth to get rid on you and how you try to cotch young Master durward who hate the sight on you how you waylay him one day settin on a rock out by the big gate and how you been seen mighty nigh fifty times comin home afoot from captain atherton's in the night rain and thunder and lightnin hard as it could pour how after you done got miss anna to lope you ask captain atherton to have you and get mad as fury cause he fuses and how your mother warn't none too likely and a heap more that i can't remember hain't you heard of none on it none none answered lena while milly continued it's a sin and shame for equality folks that belong to the meetin to pitch into a poor fenceless girl and pick her all to pieces reckon they done forgot what our heavenly marster told em when he lived here in old kentuck how they must dig the truck out of thar own eyes afore they go to meddlin with others 
but they never think of him these days cept sundays and then as soon as meetin is out they done git together and talk about you and Master graham orfully i heard em last sunday i and miss fontaine's cook silly and if they don't quit it thar's a heap on us goin to leave the church lena smiled in spite of herself and when milly who arose to leave the room again told her not to care as all the blacks were for her she felt that she was not utterly alone in her wretchedness still the sympathy of the coloured people alone could not help her and daily matters grew worse until at last even nelly douglas's faith was shaken and lena's heart died within her as she saw in her signs of neglect never had mr livingstone exchanged a word with her upon the subject but the reserve with which he treated her plainly indicated that he too was prejudiced while her aunt and carrie let no opportunity pass of slighting her the latter invariably leaving the room if she entered it on one such occasion in a state bordering almost on distraction lena flew back to her own chamber where to her great surprise she found her uncle in close conversation with her grandmother whose face told the pain his words were inflicting lena's first impulse was to fall at his feet and implore his protection but he prevented her by immediately leaving the room oh grandmother grandmother she cried help me or i shall die in her heart mrs nichols believed her guilty for john had said so he would not lie and to lena's touching appeal for sympathy she replied as she rocked to and fro i wish you had died lenie years and years ago twas the last drop in the brimming bucket and with the wailing cry god help me now no one else can the heart-broken girl fell fainting to the floor while in silent agony mrs nichols hung over her shouting for help both mrs livingstone and carrie refused to come but at the first call aunt milly hastened to the room poor sheared lamb said she gathering back the thick clustering curls which shaded lena's marble face she's innocent as the new-born baby oh if i could think so said grandma but she could not and when the soft brown eyes again unclosed and eagerly sought hers they read distrust and doubt and motioning her grandmother away lena said she would rather be alone many and bitter were the thoughts which crowded upon her as she lay there watching the daylight fade from the distant hills and musing of the stern realities around her gradually her thoughts assumed a definite purpose she would go away from a place where she was never wanted and where she now no longer wished to stay mr everett had promised to be her friend and to him she would go at different intervals her uncle and cousin had given her money to the amount of twenty dollars which was still in her possession and which she knew would take her far on her road with lena to resolve was to do and that night when sure her grandmother was asleep she arose and hurriedly made the needful preparations for her flight unlike most aged people mrs nichols slept soundly and lena had no fears of waking her very stealthily she moved around the room placing in a satchel which she could carry upon her arm the few things she would need then sitting down by the table she wrote dear grandma when you read this i shall be gone for i cannot longer stay where all look upon me as a wretched guilty thing i am innocent grandma as innocent as my angel mother when they dared to slander her but you do not believe it and that is the hardest of all i could have borne the rest but when you too doubted me it broke my heart and now i am going away nobody will care nobody will miss me but you and now dear dear grandma it costs me more pain to write than it will you to read 
lena's last good-bye all was at length ready and then bending gently over the wrinkled face so calmly sleeping lena gazed through blinding tears upon each lineament striving to imprint it upon her heart's memory and wondering if they would ever meet again the hand which had so often rested caressingly upon her young head was lying outside the counterpane and with one burning kiss upon it she turned away first placing the lamp by the window where its light shining upon her from afar would be the last thing she could see of the home she was leaving the road to midway the nearest railway station was well known to her and without once pausing lest her courage should fail her she pressed forward the distance which she had to travel was about three and a half miles and as she did not dare trust herself in the highway she struck into the fields looking back as long as the glimmering light from the window could be seen and then when that home star had disappeared from view silently imploring aid from him who alone could help her now she was in time for the cars and though the depot agent looked curiously at her slight shrinking figure he asked no questions and when the train moved rapidly away lena looked out upon the dark still night and felt that she was a wanderer in the world End of chapters thirty and thirty one